Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it. Adam got it. Adam got it. Adam got it. Positivity. Hola. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, can you can you hear me just now? Yes. Oh, sweet. No, um, really appreciate you being on the uh, podcast and uh, really good to meet you. Of course, great to meet you as well. No, oh, thank you. But, um, but yeah, um, really means a lot. Um, I think how we can connect on LinkedIn, it's quite an amazing platform, isn't it? How you can kind of connect with people. Definitely, man. It's my favorite platform right now. Because, um, yeah, I think I've only just kind of started using it, like, recently. And um, it's kind of opened up a lot of connections. And half the people I've met on the podcast, basically, like, through that. But, um, but no, I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank but you. Um, what, what I was just thinking is, so kind of about what you do, um, what, what is it that you do? like in your work and day-to-day? Yeah, so my day-to-day, a lot of it right now is LinkedIn consulting. So over the past year and a half, mm. two years or so, I've built up a large following on LinkedIn. I'm getting about 200,000 views on my content every single month. And what, I, what I've been yeah, doing yeah. is just reaching out, like companies have started to reach out to me and ask me to help them build out their profile, their content strategy, et cetera. So that's what I do for the majority of the day. But my side, my side mm-hmm. hustle and what I've been growing for the past two years as well is this company called Get Your Grind Up. And the whole purpose of Get Your Grind Up is to really help students transition into the real world. So we create a lot of content online. Mm-hmm. We've got two podcasts, um, one that's in sort of a rebranding stage right now called the Get Your Grind Up podcast. And then our second one, which we just launched, yeah. which is called Declassified College. And Declassified College is really, really short five to 10 minute episodes for the most part, we do bring on the occasional industry expert to, to talk about certain things such as like scholarships, student journeys, etc. But the majority of our episodes are that five to 10 minute range. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So I suppose you're kind of pretty busy then with like businesses and people kind of, kind of uh, wanting to use your content. Yeah, it's a it's a day to day thing, man. It it changes every day, but the consistent stuff for the most part is wake up, from find ways to promote the podcast, find ways to find more clients, and then finding creating content for either myself or or my clients. Mm. But I took a look at it on um, your your podcast and some of the things you've done on LinkedIn, and you know it's pretty pretty amazing what you've what you've been up to. Thank you. Like kind of what what kind of got you um, into all of this? Like what what was like the um, catalyst, so to speak? 
Uh, yeah. So get your grind up really started off as a joke. Um, I'm of Asian descent and the Asian stereotype is that we're just naturally smart in school and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what I wanted to show to all my friends that would like joke around with me is that I was actually working hard to get these A's and getting these internships while I was in college. So I would post on my Snapchat, my Instagram story of, Hey, like I'm, I'm studying at midnight or these are my study tips, or this is how I just got this internship. And at the end I would say, get your grind up. And it started to build momentum. So one of my best friends from back home, Gary, and my girlfriend, Michelle, were like, hey, let's get together and like, let's turn this into something legitimate. So that's when we started the podcast, started creating a lot of content. And that's what led me to LinkedIn. And I found out how easy it was to gain traction on LinkedIn compared to an Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. So I started to focus my energy on that. And that everything's just kind of stemmed from there. Uh, I've consulted with companies. I've gone around speaking about LinkedIn. And really looking forward to seeing what the future is like, because I would have never imagined this is what my life um, would have looked like post-graduation. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing how things can take off, isn't it? And I think if you really, truly believe in something working and working well, then you have to like just take that action and just um, put, put, put it into work, you know, to get it going. Yeah, I mean that's essentially the the mission, like the the meaning behind the brand. Get your grind up. Is we're always told growing up that we can do whatever we wanted to in life, but I believe that that's pretty much true. But they seldomly tell you the caveat to that, which is if you really want to do something that you love every single day of your life, you're gonna to have to work extremely hard to get there. And they don't tell you that as a kid, but as you start to grow up, you begin to realize that that's the reality. And that's what we just want to showcase to students around the world at an earlier age so that they can manage their expectations or they can really understand what it takes to be that influencer, to be that Fortune 500 exec, rather than just saying, oh, I want to do that one day and never having a plan of how to reach it. Mm. It's No, I see exactly. And I think it it's trying to like be different and not follow suit of kind of what the rest of society are doing. And... Um, you know, like with what you're doing, you know, you're saying that, you know, it's possible to do that. It's possible to create something and build your own business. Because I think yeah, like, you know, a lot of people are basically like, you know, they go to school, they go to college, and then they go to university to get a job. And um, for some people, it, you know, it can be hard to get out of that or to think, you know, a different way. I think, you know, what you're doing is pretty inspiring and it's, you know, it's pretty out there. Thank you, man. It's a, it's been an interesting journey. The higher ed space is, is a tough space to break into, but we're doing our best here to, to make rounds into it every single day. Mm. Would you say like, um, what's happening now, this current moment in time, is there any challenges that you face um, with what's happening now? like kind of you know current situation or would you say you know you're you're okay because it's like online and i think i'm talking about like coronavirus and everything like that yeah 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 so i mean the corona craziness that's going on right now it doesn't necessarily affect me too much in terms of income or anything like that most of the companies that i'm working with are uh, usually tech startups so they've been able to move the majority of their work online and yeah. their clients aren't necessarily affected by it too much either. So what I'm looking at this is that is a unique opportunity for me because since everyone is moving online, more people are paying attention to LinkedIn as well as their emails. So I'm sending out a bunch of emails to promote podcasts, to try to hop on calls with people, to, to do all these sort of things that I might not have been able to do two or three months ago because people weren't monitoring their mm-hmm. online uh, profiles as much. So it's an interesting space for me right now because higher ed, I think, is going to be really disrupted after these next six to 12 months because they realize that they're not actually ready for online learning. Um, yeah. But we'll see, we'll, we'll see what the future has for it. Yeah, see what comes up. What would you, um, who would you say like your kind of role models are or like mentors? Do you have like any kind of people you like look up to? 
Um, I mean, the people that I look up to, A, definitely my parents. Uh, both my yeah. parents are Vietnamese refugees, and I wouldn't be here without them today. They found ways to get over here to the U.S. without any mm-hmm. maps or any Google Maps or anything like that from back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Came here with no money, nothing to their name, and found a way to create an amazing life for both myself and my mm-hmm. brother. It's They're probably my biggest role models, but in terms of like the business world, Gary Vee is definitely mm. someone that I pay attention to on a regular basis. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to follow more and more people on Twitter, like Matt Kobach. I think that's his name. He's a great yeah, person yeah. when it comes to, to marketing. But, I mean, nowadays, you, everyone puts so much content online that mentors, um, in terms of like big-time mentors, you can just follow their content online and they just gear it towards whatever you need to and they essentially become your mentor. And I think that's something that people forget. Like you can have Gary Vee as your mentor just by paying attention to his vlog every single week. Um, but people are like, oh, but I can't get any more, any mentors or anything like that. You can. He says all of his stuff out right then and there. You just have to find a way to apply it to your life. Yeah, it's taking what they, what they say, isn't it, and applying it to the things that you do and how you think and go about things. Yeah, the, the information's out there. It's all about the execution now. And I think that's what I think that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people kind of some people they kind of find these mentors, they watch their content and they don't take action. And it's like you can watch hours and hours of what somebody says, but if you're not applying what they say to your life or what you're doing, then nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean like People, I feel like people think that, especially students, because this is essentially what they're told while they're in college, is once you find a mentor, your life kind of falls into place. And that's not necessarily how it works. I think of mentors as they have the ability to throw gas onto a fire. Like you need to have some momentum going and then a mentor will help you accelerate that. A mentor very rarely gets you from zero to 20%. You need to do that to yourself. And then the mm. mentor can help you accelerate to 50%. And then that next mentor will help you accelerate another 20%. And then another 20 and then another 20. Um, mm. And that's how mentors work. They don't, that first couple steps, you need someone, you need to do that yourself. And then you can find other people to sort of um, optimize your, your growth after that. Yeah. Yeah, sir, exactly. Because I think it's it's important as well to have like more than one mentor, isn't it? I think, you know, to have many different mentors and to kind of model how, you know, other people do things. Um, but I think as you kind of grow up, you kind of, you find different mentors. Like I, I started watching uh, Tony Robbins, you know, Anthony Robbins. I started, he was one of my mentors and i kind of got into like this kind of field and as i've kind of matured i've kind of like you know selected different mentors like gary v um simon sinek um and lots of other people but it keeps it kind of varied doesn't it you can kind of see different points of view and aspects and perspectives from different people yeah definitely i mean i feel like mentors they come and go right just like how friends do um, some will stay with you for, for the rest of your life, but other people will come in, they help you do something or, and you help them do something. And then you just mm-hmm. kind of lose, lose paths. Same with any friends, right? We're not all friends with the same people that we were with in grade school, but there are mm-hmm. a select few that you're still friends with today. And I view mentorship the same exact way, whether I'm mentoring someone or someone's helping mentoring me, I try to help each other out as much as we possibly can. But there is, there is usually a point where you can't help each other out anymore. And you can still be friends, but in terms of that mentorship relationship, it doesn't necessarily have to last for a lifetime. And I don't think people understand that. Yeah, no, of course. It's about like giving out, you know, what you give out is what you get back, isn't it? Um, you know, I think that's something that we need to like follow. Is there any topics that you that you'd like to um, talk about at all, or any um, anything you'd like to bring up to focus on? I mean, 
I'm pretty much an open book, really. Uh, my main thing right now is LinkedIn, and I think it's it's a beautiful platform, whether you're a student or whether you're a business owner, because the majority of professionals are on there, right? It's not like an Instagram where you where your content could be viewed by a five year old and you never you don't even know it. But LinkedIn, you know pretty much that your audience is mainly professionals out there in the corporate world. And for any B2B business, that's incredibly important. And for people who are like me, who, who are looking to get connected with, with entrepreneur, entrepreneurs around the, the world, really, um, it's a great platform because there's no barrier, right? There's no executive assistant that's handling someone's LinkedIn. For the most part, it's that person handling their own LinkedIn. So that's, yeah. I think that's the huge differentiating point, and not a lot of people are talking about that right now. I think a lot of people don't really know what it is. I've spoken to a lot of people and they don't know what LinkedIn is or they never like downloaded it. Yeah. Um, I mean, LinkedIn is kind of going through a transition phase over the past kind of like, I think two years or so after they got bought by Microsoft. Um, before being bought, they were mainly a resume platform, right? It was, I mean, it was pitched as a networking site, but no one really used it as a networking site. It was more used for hopefully to find your next job. But what it's transitioned to more ever since Microsoft has bought it is into more of a social platform. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes again in the future. The only time will tell. And it definitely has the momentum mm-hmm. behind it right now. The only thing that I fear is that it gets inundated with salespeople and sales content. And no one really succeeds when that happens. You're seeing that already happen with, with Instagram and how saturated that market's gotten, especially with marketers. And it's it's a little bit of a shame that that's what ends up happening with a lot of these social platforms, but I that's what I fear for LinkedIn. But for right now, it's a perfect platform for anyone who's just getting started. Yeah, I've noticed that with Instagram. Like I, I've got my uh, Instagram feed. I'll scroll through, and it'll be like, sign up to this, sign up to this, buy this, and then I'll get like automated accounts trying to message me. Um, and Bitcoin traders, which are like poses like fake profiles. And I just get hounded with, you know, kind of Bitcoin, Bitcoin, and all these kind of trading profiles, which aren't really real. Um, whereas, you know, fingers crossed, LinkedIn doesn't kind of go down that route. Yeah, it'll be, I think what the one thing that LinkedIn has going for them is that it's connected usually to someone's professional um, professional career so to say uh and so you there's no like it's mm. really hard to i mean you could fake a profile on linkedin but it's not as easy as as an in instagram right because instagram you can just create a profile and it's just yeah. you're hiding behind a username whereas for the majority of people on linkedin they're hiding behind their real name yes you can create a, a fake company yeah, profile yeah. but company profiles are incredibly hard to grow on LinkedIn right now, their algorithm really favors personal profiles. Yeah. So, but I think with like LinkedIn as well, like a lot of people, um, I, I find people reply to you, they respond to you and engage with you more. Um, like, you know, I, I engage with you, um, and ask you, you know, if you want to do the podcast and you respond and I find that, that is more it's more fluid on LinkedIn, it's more real, whereas I think on sometimes Instagram, um, some of these other platforms, you could send somebody a comment and it might not get replied to or it might not do you know what I mean? It, you don't really get that same response, yeah, I no, feel totally. Because I feel that I feel well, I feel like that culture yeah, I think it's just the culture yeah. of the platform, right? Um Instagram before the whole social media thing blew up, it was never really a platform to create a community. It was a place to share a photo, right? Whereas LinkedIn, mm. when the social media side of it began to blow up, it was all about community. And people understood uh, because of the maturity of social media in general that the more that you commented on a post, the more viewage it would get. So everyone at the beginning of LinkedIn who wanted to get uh, a bigger audience, they would always comment back, whether it was truly to create a community or if it was just to add another comment to their post and boost it in the algorithm. So I think people got smarter as LinkedIn began to grow and they understood more of how the algorithm worked 
and that's what bred the sort of atmosphere of always kind of commenting back and messaging back to people on LinkedIn. Whereas on Instagram, most people mm. don't understand the algorithm there. It's a lot more complicated. So they don't necessarily engage as much. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty, um, pretty fascinating, like, when you think about it and when you actually look into it, because these algorithms and um, the more kind of deeper, well, how can I word it? The more deep you go into these apps, how they actually work, it's quite complex stuff, isn't it? Like, the people who just use it to post pictures, um, they're just posting pictures, but they don't actually know the background of the app or how to properly use it. Because I showed, I showed some people how to do the stories, how to add, add things to the story, how to share it, create um, Instagram TV. And a lot of people I showed that to knew nothing about it because, um, you know, there's a lot more to these platforms than what people see on the surface. I think, oh, yeah, it? 100%. I mean, to the average person, I feel... I feel like I have more social media knowledge than most people. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy to see how many people actually don't understand social media the way that they should, especially um, small business owners. Right. And that's, that's why you'll see a lot of this, a lot of people, especially the younger generation, they tout themselves as social media experts and they're able to charge these high amounts of fees to these businesses because these, some of these businesses, they don't know anything better. Um, so for anyone out there who's listening that might run a small business, like you should always look out and see who the person um, that you're working with actually is. Like see if their engagement is real, if their profile is real, everything like that. Because the bad, like I don't want to call them scammers because they do know a little bit about social media. But the people that are, are out yeah. there buying followers and then pitching to small businesses like, Hey, I can help you grow your following for X amount of dollars. That then puts a bad relationship on people like myself who are um, trying to grow an actual business around social media. Um, just because we get the bad rep of being young and like, Oh, we've worked with someone young before and they didn't know what they were doing and we paid them so much money and we just lost it. So I would always like for all the small business owners out there, I always try to look out for you guys um, always be wary of who's coming at you and always look at sort of their follower to engagement rates because it's it's really easy to buy followers out there. Even on LinkedIn, you can buy them too. So it's, uh, it's an interesting place. Yeah, it is, it is pretty pretty interesting to see it and be in it. Cause, I mean, I've seen crazy things on the internet where people people pay people to like manage their social media accounts. And... Um, to post things for them and to you know to make social media accounts like it's quite a profitable business when you think yeah i mean that's what that's what i do Um, do for companies um i don't think there's necessarily anything wrong in the content creation side of things uh because you're you're essentially their marketer they're just outsourcing it out to you what i have a, a hard time wrapping my head around is like there's linkedin engagement pods i'm not sure if you've heard of what those are but basically what a lot of people a lot of people do this on LinkedIn is you'll have a group of friends, um, whether they're friends or just people that you don't know. And let's just say there's a group of 10 people. The way the LinkedIn algorithm works is the more engagement that you get on your posts, the, the higher that they boost it on the algorithm, um, essentially. That's how it's supposed to work. So what these people will do is they'll join yes. like 10 or 20 of these groups that are all filled with 10 to 20 people. And then they'll post something. And then what the group's requirement is um, – is when they post something on LinkedIn, they send the link into all their groups and everyone that's a part of the group will have to like and comment on that post. So then that one post gets inorganic, like 50 comments and then it boosts up on the algorithm and people are seeing this content. That's why you'll see a lot of people with really bad content show up on your feed consistently is because sometimes they're a part of these groups. Uh, I mean, I know people that are part of 20, 30, 40 groups at a time and that's how they built some of their followings. And I mean, if that's your grind, that's your grind. It's not me. I don't feel right necessarily doing that. But I do know that it, people are, are, are doing that. It's called LinkedIn Pods. Um, it, it, they have them on Instagram too. Like it, it was a thing on other platforms. It's just because of the way that the LinkedIn algorithm works. 
that that is how the top, like some of the top creators are, are continuing to, to keep their numbers up, so to say. What did the um, time frame be on that? Like, how long would that take if you did a post and you, you and I don't know, five or friends were like, you know, let's engage on this to kind of promote it and make the algorithm promote it. Like, would that take a long time? Would that take a couple of hours? Or would that, how, um, how long would that take? Well, if usually they try to do it within the first hour because I think that that's how the algorithm, that's what they say the algorithm is, like depending on how your engagement is on the first hour. But I don't necessarily see that that's true with my content. Um, some of my stuff like will start off really slow and then all of a sudden like six or eight hours later, it'll really take off. But I think, I think what people will do usually is they just comment whenever they run across it. Like imagine if you're in 20 of these groups, right. And these people that are a part of these groups are posting anywhere between one to three times a day. So you're having to comment on 60 to a hundred posts a day. It's actually insane. Right. Um, so like, how do you even keep up with that with a full-time job? That's what, um, that's what doesn't make sense. A lot of the time it's, it's actually crazy. Like there's this one guy that I talked with and I was like, Hey, like would want to, I would love to be on your podcast. Um, I'm getting like 200,000 views on my content, um, on LinkedIn. Like, I think it'd be a unique thing to talk about on your, on your podcast, blah, blah, blah. And his response back was, oh, I'm getting 500,000 views on my stuff. I'm like, okay, like I wasn't here to, to showcase that I was getting a lot of views. I just used that as a, a, po- a talking point and talk about LinkedIn. And he's like, our yeah, yeah. first hit back with 500,000. And I just checked his page the other day. And within the past 24 hours, he posted 16 times. And I was like, well, yeah, if I posted 16 times in a day, I would get a, a million views a month, right? Because yeah. if you posted 16 times a day times 30 days, that's a crap ton of co- – that's like 100 plus um, posts a, a month. I post one – I post three to five, ta- three to five times a week. So it's, it's actually insane what some of these people are doing on LinkedIn when you dive into it a little bit more. But just because I have the eye and I, I understand how social media works, I can see it. But mm. that's why I always feel bad for a lot of these small business owners because they have their whole business to, to worry about. They don't want to just worry about social media. So I, I try to get the awareness as much as possible out there to to anyone out there who who might be looking for like social media help. I think that's that's so important what you just said um, regarding like businesses. Um, like you said that you know that guy or whoever is posting all this, and then you know these businesses you know got a business to look after. They haven't got the time probably sometimes to, to post that that much when they've got their personal life and then the business and. Um, everything else and it's nice that you can kind of help them with that and kind of show them how social media works and kind of you know get their business up and running and provide you're providing value to them aren't you and I think that's what it's all about yeah I mean that's that's what I, I tell all my clients is I'm here to build your brand however you want to do it if you want to post all the time so be it if you want to post once in a while so be it but I want to speak your brand essentially it's your brand it's not my brand so my, my value always is helping uh, brands tell their story on social media. So I do that through content creation. I think a lot of people find value in that, especially CEOs, because a lot of CEOs aren't storytellers, right? They're business yeah, owners. Yeah. They run businesses. And they have all of that to worry about. So for me to be able to take off that pressure off of their shoulders, I think is a, it, it, that's why my, my clients love working with me. No, that's great. I mean, what, what, um, do you work with any, would you work with many businesses? Is it, could it be from like a small business, like a cafe to like, you know, um, a major corporate company like business? Is it, is it very, I would you say your clients or are you kind of focused on? I mean, so I think most of my clients are usually just because of the Orlando market. It's a uh, smaller startups. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're really looking for the the brand building side of things because they're a B two B business, and in yeah. Orlando, not many people are using using LinkedIn, so they're able to kind of cut a niche in that in that pie essentially for themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm focused on right now. I do. I'm working with a couple higher ed institutions right now to see how I can work with them. So that's sort of in the books to work with more corporate entities, but we'll see where, where kind of the future goes. I've only been doing this for about like seriously for like six months or so. So it's, it's been an interesting, interesting couple months 
uh, with it. It's been fun though. Can't complain about it. Yeah, and it's it's like one of the uh, quotes that Gary Vee says that I always kind of think about, and it's he says like he's enjoying the process, like the process and just to focus on the end goal kind of thing you have to kind of enjoy that grind and you know be in the moment with how things are going yeah I think that's the that's the best part is the people that you meet along the way at least it is for me like one of the first people that I've ever reached out to on LinkedIn um, who to bring it back on the topic of like mentorship and everything Mm. like that he he became we reached out on LinkedIn he sort of became my mentor um, in terms of sales and everything like that, because he's a chief sales officer and he's has, has decades of experience in that space. And then I sort of mentored him in the LinkedIn world. And we've just been talking to each other for the past, I don't know, year, year and a half or so. And I've worked with his company. Um, and we actually just started a, a LinkedIn course together. Uh, we worked on it together. So that launched and that's pretty crazy. But that's, that's really what I love about entrepreneurship and and being able to build relationships with people is you don't know where it's going to lead. Like I literally went to this guy's workshop at um, a lunch and learn, hit him up. Things kind of happened in between, didn't hear from him for a couple months. And then all of a sudden we've been working with each other for the past six to 12 months or so in some way, shape or form. So that's, that's the beauty of mentorship and business is you don't know where things will end up. Uh, but that's just how the world kind of works. It's um, it's almost like a ripple effect, isn't it? Like you kind of imagine a lake, you throw a stone in the lake, and those ripples kind of like you know scatter amongst you know along the water. And that's kind of how it is, isn't it? You kind of you put your foot out there a bit, and those ripples then start moving, and then you do another bit, and then you connect with other people and other things. And you build connections, don't you? And it just kind of goes from there, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's a like you said, it's a ripple effect, right? You surround yourself with good people; they know good people, and then they introduce you to other good people, and it just kind of builds um, from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's probably one of the funniest things that I've learned. Like my girlfriend would always say, "Like, why don't you have any friends that are our age?" Right? Because I'm twenty, I'm twenty three, <laughs> and most of my friends are like thirty plus, forty years old or so. Yeah, yeah. And they all have like kids and families and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like I don't really have that many friends that are my age. Um, just because I haven't really been able to find them. But it's 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 funny that that's just how it works. But again, that's that's life. Yeah, it's. it's do you know about like, the law of attraction and um, things like that? Yeah, of course, of course. It's, it's like that, isn't it? As well, you know the the energy that you admit and connecting with the same energy with you know that other people are on. And I think you definitely feel it. You could something when you, when you tune into it and you use it. It's something that you becomes more aware. You become more aware of it. Yeah, one hundred percent. The more you use something, the the better it gets. Mm. I think that's that's like social media. I find like social media a muscle. It's a bit like a muscle because like when I post, if I, I know if I post, I don't know for a couple of days, or if I'm I'm making content. Um, if I don't do it for like a week or a few days, it's almost like uh, it's like you have to kind of get back in the driver's seat, so to speak. It's like yeah, like the more you do it, the more the better you get at it. Yeah, I mean it's just practice, right? And whether you're on social media or po- constantly posting on social media, sort of the effect that you'll feel is you'll stay, you'll start to see what good content sort of looks like. And when you see what good content looks like, then you can sort of find the bits and pieces from it and put it onto your own content. And that's what I always tell people that I work with is, yes, I will be helping you create your content and write your content and everything like that. But I need you to be commenting and liking every single day as well, because you're going to help a boost up your profile on the algorithm, but also b you'll start to understand what good content looks like so that when you're going over my post um, after I write it for you, you can see, oh, yeah, I like that. Or, hey, can we try this too? And that's what I like is that engagement back and forth. Mm. I don't necessarily just like, oh, here, Justin, here's a topic that I want to write about. Here it goes, do it. And then I send it to them. They're like, okay, cool, post it. 
I want to hear of like, okay, I think we can mess around with this a little bit, or I really like this. I didn't like that. Like, I want to work with you. I want to get your voice and hear you so that eventually you can do it on your own. And I'm not always working with you as a, as a contractor or consultant. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, like with that, it's better to like, say you do, I don't know, say someone does like four posts in the space of like two weeks it's better to have those four posts being really, really good posts that have had time put on it rather than put out, I don't know, 20 pieces of content, which haven't had that much put into it and that much value. Because I've seen that on some people's pages where they've got like like 20 posts or 30 posts and then, you know, they could be better. And, you know, I think I've done it with my own content and, you know, when I was creating things for Instagram in the early days, um, things that I just kind of rushed. I just wanted to get it out there. But if you actually, I think if you spend time on something, you get, it creates more of an impact and provides more value, doesn't it, I think? Yeah, it's a fine balance, right? It's a fine balance because you look at someone like Gary Vee who puts out, I don't know, 500 pieces of content every single day, right? And his whole, his whole thing is um, that at least one of those things will pop. That's his thing, right? Well, at least yeah. one of those things will pop. But with, let's just take, I'm not sure if you know who Mr. Beast is. Um, yeah, Mr. he's Beast. a YouTuber. He's a huge YouTuber, really blew um, up over the past year. Every single video that he put out um, has over 10 million views, right? And it's actually insane what he does for his videos. But he will only put out something that he truly likes. He'll spend... $250,000 on a video and weeks of editing and he won't put it out just because he doesn't think that it's at the level of his quality. So it really depends on mm. the type of person you are. You have to be either a Gary Vee, I think, or you have to be a Mr. Beast type of person. I don't think there's really a medium in between. Um, and that's what I think a lot of people play in. They try to be a little bit of both. I think you have to pick one or the other and kind of go all in on that. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating to talk about because, you know, like social media is great. You know, I've used social media, but, you know, for kind of podcasting and for my coaching that I'm starting to do, you know, probably in the recent, I don't know, year, year and a half, you know, I've done it for a couple of years, but kind of more so now, more into it. Because, you know, you, you, like I said, you see the algorithms, you see the impact. And um, I think you're always learning with it, aren't you? It's something that you don't stop learning um, with. Especially with TikTok as well. I mean, I don't know, if you, do you, what, what do you think about TikTok? Um, so I don't personally use TikTok. Um, like I use it as a consumer but I haven't used it as a creator, so to say. It's a super interesting platform, and I think they have it down-packed in terms of social media growth because they're the only platform, at least that I've seen, that has allowed you to easily share TikToks onto other platforms. And I think that's the yes. biggest reason why they've exploded because they've given the ability to the creator now, right? If if you want to share something from Instagram to Twitter, it's incredibly hard and they don't like that. If you want to share yeah, something yeah. on LinkedIn that's not on LinkedIn, they hate that and they will push you down on the algorithm. Whereas TikTok, if you want to share a TikTok onto Snapchat, there's an integrated button where all you have to click is that Snapchat logo and it brings you into Snapchat. It's so easy. Same thing with Twitter, same thing with Instagram, everything like that. And every single time that you reshare it onto a platform, you get the little TikTok, um, what's it called, watermark on, on your video. Yeah, yeah. Branded all the way, doing all the right things. And I think that's why it's absolutely exploded over the past year or so. I think it's going to continue to explode. Um, I just don't have the time right now to put towards it. I mean, I, I probably should put out some videos, but it's not top of mind. But I'm definitely paying attention to it. Yeah, it is, it is pretty fascinating how that's kind of blown up. Because, I mean, I remember I, I downloaded it, like, years ago when it came out. And I remember looking on it. And I think there was, like, 
just probably about 10, 10 different things on the feed. And I was like, what's this? I was like, this is pants. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to use this. And I deleted it. And then Gary Vee talked about it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, TikTok's crazy. Uh, my girlfriend literally just talking TikToks now. She just re- walks around the house doing dances and talking in TikTok memes. It's it's actually insane how much it's taken over my life without me actually creating on the platform. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a fun. It's it's good for like um, I think that the main audience on it are like younger people, isn't it? Like um, between the ages of fifteen to like you know our age in the twenties. I don't know. I wouldn't even say that anymore. Like, there's a quite a few older people on the platform, especially really? now because of all the celebrities that have hopped on it over the past couple months. Um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 becoming a pretty pretty large audience in terms of uh, like demographics that that are on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily like Facebook's audience is on there, but I definitely think Instagram's audience is on there. So you'll you'll be you'll see people on there anywhere between. I don't know, eight years old, probably up to uh, like 40 or 50 years old. Cause I see parents, they put their babies on there and their babies always go viral because everyone loves seeing a baby. So yeah. like you're starting to get the older audience and you're starting to get those like old sort of cat videos that used to go, always go viral on YouTube, sort of the same mm-hmm. type of content that goes viral on, on TikTok. Yeah. That's crazy. The internet's pretty amazing, though, when you think of it, isn't it? Like, what we can do um, and just how the world works. I mean, I I'd, I'd find it hard to think how it, how it would be without the internet now. Um, I remember that, like, using Fa- I remember using MSN Messenger and MySpace. They were the first kind of platforms I used, you know, when I was at school. Now you've got like Facebook, LinkedIn, and all of these, and it just keeps on growing. I think you know um, there's so much potential, and I think you know this is the way forward. You know this is the way forward, and I think people need to like you know look into it and delve into it more. Yeah, I think I, I think the internet is is the ultimate leveler when it comes to um, career development whether your career development is in the professional space and continue to grow and climb that corporate ladder or your career development is owning and starting a business. Um, the internet provides you all the knowledge in the world. Now, now it really comes down to how good are you actually like, where's your talent and how much are you willing to execute on? And so those are the two biggest differentiators now. And that's why you're starting to see so many, so many different people succeed from all walks of life. Like you put Mark Zuckerberg 50 years ago, and I guarantee you he's not becoming the Mark Zuckerberg that we know today because he's a very introverted, um, techie type of guy. Almost all of those tech people I don't think would succeed 50 years ago. But because of the timing of the internet and how you can, for lack of better words, like hide behind a computer and be really smart behind a computer but build really great things still, that's what's Mm -hmm. really led to this tech revolution that we've seen um, in the past. Yeah. It's like coding, isn't it? Like these guys are really into coding. That's a big thing now. That's that's my understanding of how that works. But there's like so many layers to the internet, isn't there? As well, it's um, I think especially with our generation and the generations that are kind of being born into it. Um, you know, you've got kids on like smartphones and they're like eight or ten years old. It's like crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, with the whole esports gaming thing, I mean, now you've got you've got kids that are twelve years old competing for hundreds of thousands of dollars on Fortnite and and games <laughs> like that. Like, it's it's absolutely insane what the internet has done with the world. I think mm-hmm. it's done a lot better than it has worse. I mean, I mean, we're still experimenting with it. It's only been what like twenty ish, twenty five years old, so to yeah. say. So, like, it's still relatively new, and I don't think people understand that. And that's what we're going to continue to sort of play around with and mess with for the next couple decades, I would say, before we really see what the effects are, especially with social media. Mm-hmm. But I do think the net effect no. is positive, though. Yeah, I think there's a lot more positive than the negative 
um, we can smell. Kind of outweighs it. But um, I think Gary V he mentioned something about like, is it where it's going to be going towards is like voice recognition and like VR and things like that. And I kind of I kind of see that with voice recognition a lot. Like you can kind of just talk to your phone and it'll do something for you. Yeah, I still haven't gotten used to doing stuff like that. Um, I know my dad has because he hated texting, so he'll just talk into his his uh, his phone. So he's actually adopted that more than yeah. I have, um, which is really funny because he's like the one of the least tech savvy people in in my family. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a it. I think that that probably is the future, but I think it's going to take some time to really adapt to it. And I don't think it'll happen until like the kids that are now beginning college sort of graduate and start having a professional Mm. life Uh, because that's when they can start to buy the Google homes and integrate their whole house rather like even just me, like I have a, I have a Google, a Google home and a Google mini, but I haven't bought like the lights or anything like that just yet. Um, so that's what I mean. Like once we start to get to more stabilized careers and we're able to buy and like integrate all these smart things into our house, then I do think that is the future. But I think that's still at least like a decade away. Yeah, this is crazy. Like the way things are going because like I'll be on PlayStation with my friends and my mate's little brother will be like Alexa, will be like Alexa, turn on the lights or something like that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've got a buddy who has. All his whole living room is all linked up, so he can tell Alexa to dim the lights, to turn it into movie mode, to to pretty much everything, and turn up and down the speakers. It's all connected through his mm-hmm. Alexa, and it's um it's pretty crazy. I'm just not yeah. at that level yet. I I, I find it really sketchy though because I've got Amazon Music on my phone, and um, at times I'll be playing music and it's got an Alexa thing built into it where you can say Alexa play Oasis or a certain certain song but sometimes I'll be driving and it'll just it'll bleep like you want to talk to it by itself so I think like sometimes Amazon can kind of listen in sometimes like you know the company yeah I mean I think what we're at least from my understanding, just because I've learned a little bit about ads and how everything works like that and, and how insurance is looking to use um, AI into the future is I think we're just going to give up all of our information in the future um, for, for just complete transparency. I mean, like if you think about ads in Facebook, right, they have literally every single information about you that is important, right? What you're going to do, where you live, um, your phone number, your email, what you're looking at, what you're spending time looking at and everything like that. Because think about it when we're watching TV, there was no way to tell if someone was actually watching that ad before. Whereas now Facebook can look at your, look at your scroll, see what you stopped at, see how long you stopped at it. And if you stopped at it for a long enough time, then they can retarget you for another ad because you stopped at that thing for such for a certain amount of period of time. And same thing with YouTube, same thing with Google, everything like that. That's what people don't understand. Like they've, they're already at that point where they pretty much know everything about us. Like I know in the insurance world, they're getting to the point where AI is able to predict if you plan, if they think you're going to get a divorce. And if they, if you do think that, if they do think that you're going to get a divorce, they will up your premium because you're more likely to get X, Y, and Z in the, in the future. Jesus. Um, and that's all done through AI just because there, uh, there's so many dots that you can connect with all the data points that when a computer sifts through it, they can do that easily with code. But if, if a human wanted to go through all that data, it would take hundreds if not thousands of years. So it's, it's pretty crazy all the data that's already out there. And I don't think people realize that until they truly understand how these social media platforms work. That's crazy. Yeah, man, the, the social media advertising world, if you really understand what it is, then it's, it's crazy. Like I know that there's a strategy on YouTube where if you create a YouTube video, right, about a specific topic, 
like very specific topic. You get three to 400 people to watch your video, which doesn't seem like a lot on the outside. But then if let's say you have three or 400 people that view it out of those three or 400 people, um, 200 people watch five minutes of your video. You can then tell Google to retarget those people that watch five minutes of your video to a specific ad uh, about your your video or whatever it is and then you can get them to sign up for a course which then you put them into a drip funnel and then it leads to x y and z um but because you can tell that someone actually paid attention to your stuff that means that they're a more credible buyer than if you just placed a tv ad and you don't even know if that person's actually watching that or if they've just switched to another channel right because i mean we're younger and i remember the days when we would watch nickelodeon on one channel and then have cartoon network on the other uh, one. Yeah. and when one was on commercial you just switch to the other right yeah but technically you're still viewing both networks and you're not able you're able now to see the difference between that because of uh social media and all the tracking that they have shit it's a crazy it's world i mean um it was a girl I don't know if you watch uh, Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. He, um, he had an episode with a guy called Adam Curry, who kind of, he started off doing, um, he's the first guy who started podcasts. He's quite a clever guy. And he, he's done a lot of other stuff as well. But he was basically saying that he kind of keeps his um, privacy very brief, like uh, with these apps. He said, He's got like an old like Nokia mobile flip phone kind of thing. And then he's got his iPhone with a few apps in case he you know, needs to use it for business. But he said he doesn't put any of his information, tries not to put any of his information like into these apps and create those accounts because he doesn't want his information, you know, um, being shared. And I think it, it's so hard now to... Um, to not share your personal information. Like even if you create um, like a Google account, I've got a Google phone. If you want to, I don't know, have, have an email account, you have to put in so much information. If you. Yeah. Well, it's just so easy. Right. And it's, it's, you want it to be so easy, right? If you create a Google, if you don't have a Google account, you can't access docs, you can't access sheets, but if you do, you can get it all and you can use it wherever and whenever you want. And they've, these tech companies, are, they're so smart. They've made everything so easy. And I mean, with Facebook and Instagram, I mean, I made a Facebook when I was, what, like 11 or 12 years old, probably. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was putting. I was just putting in things that made sure that my age was over 18 because that's what I did on every website just so that I could get access to it. Um, same thing with Instagram, right? I, I probably made an Instagram when I was a sophomore in high school. I don't understand privacy. No one reads those things. They just click accept and then so yeah. be it. Um, that's that, but that's, that's the world that we live in now. I think they're too big and too big of a part that, um, of our lives that I don't think there's any, any way to take them out, so to say, which is interesting to see how it'll play out. Well, they, they kind of, like, they, they run things, don't they? It's kind of hard, you know, to not use um apple or windows or google platforms because they're the that the um how can i put it uh they're they're the ones who dictate what happens well no it's interesting to talk about though because you know there's so much to it isn't there do you do you definitely man it's a it's a topic do you uh, read at all do you have any like books that you like to read or um, are you into reading um i don't read a whole lot um but i have read a couple books that i i truly do think provide a lot of value for people um i think one of them is the third door i'm not sure if you've ever heard of it but it's a book by um what's his name alex alex benayan and he is basically this 18-year-old kid. It's his journey of how he's an 18-year-old kid in college at USC. He doesn't really understand what he wants to do with his life because his, do- his mom and his dad want him to become a doctor, but he mm. doesn't want to do that. But he has no real resources to go out on his own. So what he decides to do, of instead of studying for a test, 
he decides to figure out how to hack the prices right because they're filming the show oh, the next day, okay. the day of his test, I believe. And so he gets on the prices right, hacks it, wins like $150,000 or $250,000 or something crazy like that in like boats and prizes and stuff. So he sells all that, takes the cash. And he goes on this adventure to meet like the Bill Gates of the world, the Maya Angelou's, etc. So this book is about his theory about what he calls the third door, where let's just say you're trying to get into a nightclub. There's three ways to go in. The first way is you just wait in line like everyone else and you wait hours upon hours for the chance to maybe get in. The second way is you're a VIP, which he wasn't at the time and they just let you in. So he couldn't do that. But the third door, which is open to everyone, but no one thinks about is you go around the corner, you bang on the back door until someone lets you in. And that's what he did. And that's what he uses money. And that's what he did um, to talk to all these people. So this book is about his adventure of how he got in touch with all these people, as well as some of the conversations that they had and the advice that they had for him. Uh, It's a really interesting book. uh, And it's, it's something that really shaped what I've been able to do on LinkedIn. I use that same concept of, just not being scared of reaching out to people and it's been able to open some doors that I never would have thought of um, that would open up to me. So it's been crazy. No, that's amazing. And I think once you kind of, kind of jump over that ledge of fear and uncertainty and the unknown, um, kind of probably becomes more easier to do once you just take action and just do it. Exactly. No, I have to check that book out. It sounds really good, and that's that's what a true story is. It. It's like kind of this guy. Yeah, Jesus. it's a it's a true story. Yep. That's interesting though. What you said about those like ways to get into a nightclub because I've seen that in queues. Like, um, I think like you know, as people, like we just conform and we follow what other people are doing, and we don't necessarily take a step back and think of other ways. Um, but they're there in front of us, but we don't, you know, we don't, we don't jump to the opportunity half the time. I've, I've found that in a supermarket, like in the UK, there's like a, a cooperative, which is probably a bit like a Walmart in America. And um, there's self-checkout aisles where you can, can, you can buy things, go to the self-checkout, scan it, pay for it. I was in there like the other week and, um, there was a big long queue and there was queuing at this till and there's one old lady like, you know, scanning the items. And I looked at the self-checkout and there were six empty tills that people could just scan and um, their own bits and then leave. But there was about 15 people in this queue and I was like, what are they doing? Why? why? I just jumped on the self-checkout and just scanned it and went out. You know, that was, you know, like you said, there's always like other, other ways to, to go about things, but People will just conform, I think, half the time. Yeah, I mean, it's always the people that that do something different that really truly succeed, right? And it's the people that find, I like that third door um, analogy that he uses in the book. For instance, he tells a story about Steven Spielberg. So everyone knows Steven Spielberg as this amazing movie um, producer, but no one under, no one really has dove deep, or at least for me. Like, I didn't know the story of how he got his start. And the way that he got his start was he went on a Universal Studios tour at the theme park. So he just went to the back lots, basically. He jumped off the tour, hid in a bathroom until the tour left. And then he went out, walked around until he found someone that would give him a pass. When the person that gave him a pass, he gave him a pass for like five days or something like that. He walked in every day, became friends with the security guard. So that on the fifth day and his pass expired, he took his dad's suit and his dad's briefcase and walked in like he still was allowed on the place, basically. And just said, hey, John, nice to see you today. The security guard said, what's going on, Steven? Nice to see you today. Just let him in because he just thought Jeez. that he was there. <laughs> and that is so true. Like I've gotten, I've, I've gotten into conferences just having the confidence to just walk through. Like it works and that's what people don't realize, but that's what it takes to be successful, especially when you start from a place of not necessarily having a lot and a name. Like nobody knew Steven Spielberg, but then, but everyone knows him now, but he had to get to that point and that's what people don't get. 
That's amazing. And that's so true. Like, um, that quote isn't actually all the fear of doing anyway, because it's like, you know, if you don't take action, like my girlfriend said to me, um, something like, uh, if you don't take action, the answer's no. If you try and you fail, okay, the answer's no. But, you know, you try and you, you know, if you get, you know, you, you succeed, the answer's yes. You know, either way, you know, whether you try or you don't, then it's still going to be no, but it's better to try because then you don't have that regret of like, you know, not, not like attempting it. Exactly. 100%. God, that's fascinating. What would you say, like, um, motivates you? Is there anything that you kind of watch or, like, what what kind of, like, gets you up and ready to do what you do? I mean, the number one thing that motivates me is probably my parents' story. Uh, I really resonate to their ability to just give me an amazing life that I have today. Um, when I look back and understand that, like my grand, my grandfather, he graduated college in two years without oh, even yeah. knowing English when he came over to the States. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I have no excuse. Right. And he's, his name is on several patents because he helped. He became an engineer and helped create the uh, a lot of the first computer fans um, to keep the computers from overheating. So I'm like, well, if this guy can graduate college in two years and have patents under his name, like I have no excuse that I can't. I can't work hard in my bio one-on-one class or whatever it is. Right. So when I look back at that and I'm like, my situation is way better than what my parents had and my grandparents had. I just need to continue to keep working and keep grinding because uh, if they are able to do it, I have no excuse not to. That's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. And, you know, hats off to your family, you know, for, for what they've accomplished and done. I mean, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine. I've never been in that scenario situation. Um, but, you know, you know, I think hard times and situations like that, you know, they kind of give that motivation to people, don't they? And they give them, that gives them that drive. You know, when you've come from a certain place like that, or, you know, you've got that in your family, it gives you that kind of, like, momentum to, to want to do well and succeed, doesn't it? Exactly. Because I think, like, you know, a lot of these successful people, like, um, you know, that are out there, you know, have had really hard times or really hard lives or things have happened. And um, it kind of, I think it, it builds you as a person, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it it takes a lot to understand where a lot of people come from. And... Um, when you get brought up in hardship, you really understand the true value of the things around you, whether it's money or more importantly, time. And I think that's what a lot of people who come from hardship truly understand is how valuable time is to them. Um, so I think that's, that's the number one thing. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I find it pretty motivating. Like, you know, my girlfriend is from Lithuania and, um, she came from Lithuania to uh, the United Kingdom to like go to university. Um, so she graduated and did fashion design. Pretty sure it's fashion. And um, you know she graduated and she you knows she's in a good good role at the minute. And um, you know that that takes a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes a lot to go from a go out your comfort zone, go out into the unknown to a country that you don't know anything about. know study and work and i think you know it's it's interesting it's something we should do we should talk to people who've done bigger things than us and um things that kind of would scare us you know it kind of inspires you to do more doesn't it yeah 100 it's uh it's crazy it's it's crazy that people are are able to to make that transition mm. in their life, right? I, I could have never imagined it, but it's it's something that people, some people have to do, and I commend them for to be able to make that leap. 
it's 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 the American dream over here in the U.S. Um, and I truly believe it's still alive, and I think that people can still achieve it. Mm-hmm. It's it's the beauty of and the freedom that we have over here, which I can't complain about. Yeah, there's so much opportunity and um, a lot of options over there, isn't there? Like I, I went to um, New York with my friend in January um, 2019. You know, pretty amazing place. Yeah, man, New York is its own animal. It's a crazy thing. I'm out in Orlando, and I mean, I, I love Orlando. It's a great place to mm. to be, um, but it's not it's not nearly as crazy as New York. Yeah, um, but dude, I got I have to hop off in a couple minutes. So if you have any other questions, I would love to any quick questions. Would love to, love yeah, to yeah, answer yeah. those before I gotta go. Yeah, sure. Um, like, what would you? Any like kind of message you would say to people listening, like uh, like motivation or like. Um, any kind of like words of wisdom? I mean, the only thing that I can say that I feel like I'm justified to say because I'm just getting started in my career and by no means am I um, a business coach or anything like that. But the way that I was able to find my sort of foot, my my footing in, in the world is by just trying things. If you feel like you're stuck, just try something. And it can be one of the scariest things that you do in your life, but I guarantee you, Maybe not your first try, maybe not your second try, maybe not even your third try uh, when doing something. But eventually, you'll figure out that one thing that, that you are passionate about and that you can wake up every single day and want to actually do. Uh, but you will never find that by just continuing to do the same things over and over and over again. You, gotta, you have to try something. And that's what I tell students. That's what I tell older people. That's what I tell people who are my age. And it, it seems to just be advice that's applicable to almost anyone out there who's not 100% satisfied with whatever they're doing. No, I completely agree. I really, I really appreciate um, you, you know, for coming on the podcast. I'm really, uh, really humbled and uh, grateful for your time. And it uh, really means a lot. So of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, man. No, it's all good, man. Anytime, anytime. I'll have to do another one at some stage. Like, but um, no, really means a lot. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. No, thank you too. Yeah, whenever you want to have me back on, just feel free to reach back out, and then we'll we'll figure something well, something out in the future. But yeah, yeah, appreciate sure. it. Love being on, and until next time, man. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. Take it easy. You as well. Bye. Hi, I would just like to say a massive thank you for tuning into this podcast and I'm really, really grateful to be on this path and journey with you all. If you would ever like to provide feedback, you can do so by going on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review or you can send me an email at the positivitypodcast.gmail.com. All feedback is much appreciated. If you would like to donate anything at all, I have a Patreon account where you can donate a small amount and you get exclusive content from the podcast. Or I also have a PayPal if you would like to donate anything as well. Just a small gesture. And all donations all go towards the podcast and making it a better experience for you all. Now, I hope you have a great day and stay tuned for more episodes.